Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. saints welcome to learning bible truth i am the founder and teacher of learning bible truth dr Kamala d i hope this day is finding you well in the state of louisiana it's a suspect day mm -hmm. we have some bad weather coming through just to bring a cold front here tomorrow morning but in any event this is the day that the lord has made and i will rejoice in it and saints, I am so happy to announce that this is the final episode of this groundbreaking and epic shattering series entitled Search the Scriptures, They Lead You to Jesus. Hallelujah. This is episode 20. I have never, ever, ever shared a series that lasted 20 episodes. I've shared one that lasts eight, I think, eight or nine but this was 20 and I can assure you in the year 2022 more to come because it is blessing so many of you, 5,000 and counting, hallelujah. And at the end of uh, this episode, I will share some changes um, that we are making with um, Learning Bible Truth in the year 2022. And of course the changes will benefit you. It will benefit me, hallelujah, thank God. Praise God. To God be all the glory. Hallelujah. But I don't want to belabor the fact, saints, so we need to get this truth on the road. So I want you to go to Zechariah. Zechariah is the prophet that will start this final episode. Yes, Ze Zechariah chapter 3 is where I want you to go. Chapter 3. And you guys know the rules. You can pause the tape because you have the ability to do so. And I will just continue to read. And by the time you find the scriptures, we will be on the same page. And I am continuing to read using the NIV, the New International Version. If I switch versions, I will let you know. And the reason I always mention that is because not everyone used the same version of the Bible. So if you see some uh, a difference in wording, that's why. But we should end up in the same place, saints. So I am reading Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. If you have the King James or the New King James, it, it, it probably says oppose him. Verse 2, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? My goodness. Verse 3. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Verse 4, the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. I need you to pay attention to that. That verse right there, underline it, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. This verse is very important. Take off the, his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, 
See, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. Verse five. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. My, 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 my. Uh, this vision that God gave Zechariah was a very powerful vision about the Messiah. See, you have to find Jesus in these scriptures. It was a very powerful vision about the Messiah. So before I really get into it now, one of the most difficult words for most people to understand in the Bible is the word grace, as in God's saving grace. You have to remember, Joshua had replaced Aaron as high priest. God handpicked Joshua. There's no priest back in that day that was considered to be a priest or a high priest that had not been chosen by God. So we're going to talk a little bit about God's grace because that is what these scriptures represent. And it also represents the Messiah and what he was going to do for us. And if you can recall in the earlier episodes of this uh, epic series that we talked about how priests used to bring sacrifices to the tabernacle, but they also had to bring sacrifices for themselves before they uh, brought sacrifices for the people because the priests were sinners too. They were not clean as well. So when they said, take off his filthy clothes, we're talking about Joshua being a high priest that was not perfect. He, he, he was not perfect. So when we talk about God's saving grace, we are talking about his unmerited, his unearned favor. Now, somehow that definition, you know, don't quite make sense to a lot of people. Because all favor is, is essentially unearned. It is unmerited. Now, if I do a favor for someone, it's done, it's done not because the person has done anything or something for me or done anything to deserve my favor. Favors are always unearned. They are always unmerited. So I had been dead spiritually. That's why I couldn't understand God's grace. And a lot of you have been dead spiritually as well. We were enemies of God. Now, once I, I got that right, the, the meaning of grace, once I was able to comprehend it, that meaning of God's saving grace, it fell into place, just like a puzzle. I found that God's saving grace means that I didn't get to go to hell for anything that I deserve to go to hell for. Mm -mm. Instead, by God's grace, he lifted me out of the slimy pit. Psalms 40 verse 2 says, out of the mud and out of the mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Now, Paul says it this way in um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. He says, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The problem with most people who has accepted Christ and they don't understand his grace is that they don't get it that the grace is free. It's not by anything we have done. It's out of the pure love that God has for us that he saved us. Hallelujah. You guys should be shouting, I mean, just jumping up and down, doing cartwheels, backflips, but don't hurt yourself. You have to remember, we are saved by God's grace alone, and that's it. Now, a sinner is appointed from eternity to reign forever with, with Christ Jesus. That's God's saving grace, okay? I know this may be difficult for some of you because of what you are being taught in your denominations, but put it this way. Now you are being taught the truth because if they are not telling you this, it's a, a multiple uh, reasons why they are not. And a few are because they don't know, they don't understand these scriptures, or they deciding to change God's um, salvation plan, which man cannot do, or they just don't know. You know, I, I think I would rather stick with that. They just don't know. And we have to understand God's saving grace and his election of the saints are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. 
Now, Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, verses four through six, and I'm a paraphrase through here for he, he meaning God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to praise or um, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. I want you to pay attention to that last verse, which he has freely given us. We didn't pay for, for salvation. That's God's grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now, good theology needs good anthropology at its foundation. That is, an incorrect understanding of God is usually preceded by an inaccurate understanding of man. Now, I want you guys to uh, meditate on Romans 3, verses 9 through 18. That's going to give you a good comprehension of what I just said. And I want you to... Uh, just meditate on the words of Ephesians um, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, the scriptures that I just um, quoted. Now, none of us seeks the true and living God. Now, let's keep it real. None of us seeks the true and living God because our clothes are works like Joshua's in our subject scriptures from Jeremiah or let's say Zechariah. Jeremiah spoke of filthy rags as, as, as well. Not only by grace can we be like Joshua, a burning stick snatched from the fire. A decision for Jesus can only come after we are born again. Now notice in our opening scriptures that Joshua is the high priest. He's not some vagabond outlying in the street in a drunken stupor. He's a highly respected man in the community. But you got to remember, this was Zachariah's vision that God gave him. Uh, Joshua stands between the angel of the Lord and the pre-existent Jesus and his accuser, Satan. That's what Satan does. Remember the book of Job? He was walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And he started uh, accusing Job, talking to God and telling God that if, if, if you take away all these things or if you, you know, allow me to take away all these things from Job, he'll curse you. That's what Satan does. He stands before God every day accusing us. But do we have a representative? His name is Jesus. Yes, we do. Now, I want, I want you to notice also that the angel now becomes the Lord. He rebuked Satan and, and commanded those who were standing before him, take off Joshua's filthy clothes. This is all done before Satan. He says, take off Joshua's filthy clothes. Now, Joshua is standing there filthy before the Lord. He doesn't say a word. Now, this is all the Lord's doing. Had nothing to do with Joshua. He has been snatched from Satan's fire only by the Lord's hand. He is saved only by God's grace. Now, the Lord says, I see I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. Now, Joshua's filthy clothes, it represents his sin. That is what sin represents to us. Our flesh, our filthy, dirty flesh represents filthy rags and represents sin in the sight of God. Now the Lord unilaterally takes his sin away. He takes Joshua's sin away and then replaces Joshua's sin with rich garments. Yes, the righteous robe of Christ. That's God's saving grace, saints. He takes sinners from the depths of depravity like us and gives us a new white robe. It's just washed in bleach, completely white, just washes away our sins. And he elevates us to the heights of glory. Hallelujah. You guys should be shouting. Now let's head on over to Zechariah uh, chapter nine, verse nine. Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine, just one verse. And it says this, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. Your king. We need to make sure we understand what king Zechariah is talking about. He's talking about the Messiah. Your king comes to you and he is prophesying this. 
uh, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, a coat, the fall of a donkey. Now, it this picture, it 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 literally occurred some five hundred years after it was written. Now, in Matthew chapter twenty-one verses one through nine, it tells us the story. For when these scriptures that Zechariah prophesied 500 years prior, it, it was fulfilled by our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. It says this, verse 1. Now, I don't want to stop and, and say verse 1, then verse 2, verse, verse 3. I'm going to read through, so you just follow me in your, in your Bibles. Um, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 9, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell, tell him that the Lord needs them. Did you hear what Jesus said in verse three? If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them. But we got these false teachers out here saying that Jesus never referred to himself as the Lord. <laughs> okay. And if, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the fall of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Verse 9, the final verse. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Ho Hosanna in the highest. Now, some Catholics celebrate this event as Palm Sunday, but it was actually, please pay attention to, to what I'm about to say, saints. I'm just speaking truth here. I'm not changing God's word to appease a, a group of people, but it actually happened on a Tuesday. Excuse me. The very next day, the day before the Passover, Jesus would be crucified to the cheers of the same people who had shouted Hosanna. Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday. He wasn't crucified on a Friday. You can't get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. You can't, but you can get it from Wednesday. And you have to remember, when we talk about Passover, the Jews had several Passovers. This was one of them. Now, for royalty to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey meant to the populace that the rider was coming in peace. Now, conquering generals or kings rode into the cities. They, uh, they conquered on the backs of strong, sleek stallions. They were war horses. But Jesus was entering the city to bring a peace that transcends all understanding. He came to bring all people's peace with God through his shed blood. Now, Jesus, following Zechariah's prophecy, specified which animal he would ride. It was to be on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Now, this was no ordinary donkey, folks. John tells us that Jesus rode not on the mother, but on the fowl. John 12, 14 and 15. Now, Jewish custom may have interpreted the words on a donkey on a colt, the fall of a donkey, to indicate that it was a purebred donkey. It was one especially predicted or prepared for the Messiah. Hallelujah. Bible truth, saints. Now notice that Jesus quotes Zechariah and, and, and applies it to himself. He calls himself a king. And later Jesus will confirm this in his conversation with, with Pontius Pilate. You know, it was recorded in Luke chapter 23, verse 3. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, yes, it is as you say. 
So often we hear someone say that Jesus never claimed to be the Jewish Messiah, never claimed to be God incarnate. In this stance, however, and in many other scriptures I have shown to you, his claim is unmistakable. We heard what Jesus just said. Now, following this prophecy of the Messiah's triumphant entry into Jerusalem, Zechariah turns to our Lord's second coming. He says in chapter 9, verse 10 and 11, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations, not a nation or not the nation. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Verse 11, as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Now we know what the waterless pit is. It's hell. Now this ruler's kingdom will extend over the entire earth. That's what Zechariah prophesied. Prisoners will be released from prison of dry cisterns because of the blood of my covenant. Remember that? Now a lot of animal blood was shed over the years at the tabernacle and in the temple in Jerusalem, but the blood of animals could never take away sin. You have to remember, you can read that in Hebrews 10, 4. Their blood pointed to the blood of the one who would shed his blood in Jerusalem the day following his triumphant entry. His blood would be effectual for salvation for many, not all, for many, only those who believe that's who the blood of Jesus is for. Now let's continue in Zechariah chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. The prophet says, I told them, if you think it best, give me my pay, but if not, keep it. So they paid me 30 pieces of silver. Verse 13, and the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the handsome price at which they priced me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. My goodness. Now, back in the books of Moses, God gave the people uh, several specific everyday applications of the Ten Commandments. Now, in one of those applications, um, he told them in Exodus chapter 21, verse 32, if a bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave and the bull must be stoned. Now, let's look at the irony of this, that the Lord of the universe was sold for the same price an owner received for a slave who was gored to death by someone's bull, 30 shekels of silver. Think about that. The handsome price at which they priced me. Did you, did you hear that quote from Zechariah? The handsome price at which they priced me. That was the Lord speaking through the prophet Zechariah. Now, Matthew gives us the fulfillment of Zechariah's words. Uh-huh. Uh, Matthew 26 verses 14 through 16. You can go there. Um, I'm going to just commence the reading. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand Jesus over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. I was about to say 30 pieces of silver, but 30 silver coins. Now that's Matthew 26, 14 through actually 15. Okay, that's verses uh, 14 and 15. And let me read that again. Verse 15. And ask, what are you willing to give me if I hand Jesus over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. Now the chief priest, he needed a precise identification of Jesus. Judas was the traitor they needed, honey. Now later after um, that just, oof, that, that, that horrible deed was accomplished and Jesus had been arrested, we read these words in Matthew 27 verses 1 through 7. I hope you guys are following me, saints. 
Um, let's begin at verse one. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. My Lord, my Lord. Verse two, they bound him, led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priest and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. He knew Jesus was innocent. His, that precious blood was innocent. That's why and how he was able to save us. Innocent blood, pure blood, holy blood. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. He threw the money back they gave him. Then he went away and hanged himself. My Lord. Verse six, the chief priest picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. Verse seven, so they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners or your, your version may say strangers. Now Judas's conscience began to overwhelm him. So he threw the 30 coins into the temple, you know, and back into the treasury then he went off and, and he killed himself. He committed suicide. But the chief priest agreed that the money should not stay in the temple. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. The crooked chief priest, they um, decided not to keep the money in the temple. They had just paid this money for a treacherous act against an innocent man, our Messiah. They now self-righteously concerned themselves with extra biblical statues about where the shekel should go. Think about that, how deranged their minds were. Now, this was an incredible display of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, saints, like we see going on today. Now, Zechariah said in uh, chapter 11, verse 13, I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Now, that is the King James Version, or the King James quote. It says, I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Now, the potter worked in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. Now, it was a polluted valley, but where clay, well, it, it was a lot of clay there. The silver coins then went from the temple to the potter's field. Now, we are reminded of Peter's words at uh, Pentecost in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 23, where the apostle Peter says this, this Jesus was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Now, the chief priests had revealed themselves to be lumps of clay under wrath. Now, Romans 9, um, verse 21 and 22 says this, does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? And verse 22 says, what if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? Now, even in their two-faced scheming, the chief priests carried out what had been planned by the potter, who is God, since the beginning of time. Now, evil men plot against the Lord and against his anointed one, but the Lord scoffs at them. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Now, that's Psalms chapter 2, verse 1, verse 4, and verse 9. Now, I want you to trot on over to Zechariah chapter 13 chapter 13, and I will be reading verses six and seven. Yeah, I'm not going to read verse one. I'm going to read verses six and seven. And verse six starts off with this. If someone asks him, what are these wounds on your body? He will answer the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. Verse seven, awake, O sword against my shepherd, 
against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones, my Lord. Now, if you can think back on the night he was betrayed by Judas, Jesus, he had shared a meal with his disciples in the upper room. Now, that event is now known as the Last Supper, where Jesus gave instructions regarding his sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Now, after they ate, they sang a hymn and then walked over to the Mount of Olives. Now, Matthew gives us this detail in chapter 26, verses 31 and 32. Oh, Matthew says this. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. My Lord, Jesus quoted exactly what Zechariah said about him. Jesus had applied these scriptures of the prophet Zechariah. I just want y'all to get this. Finding Jesus in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. Zechariah, he was in the scriptures and the prophecies of Zechariah. Oh my God, to what was about to happen to him on Calvary. He applied these very scriptures. Okay, now Peter was angry. He said, even if all fall away on account of you, I won't. I'm not leaving you, Jesus. That's what Peter was saying. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now that's in Matthew 26, 33. Now I'm sure the rest of the disciples were offended by what Jesus said. I I'm sure they was. But you know the rest of the story. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, his disciples feared for their lives and they ran away. What did they do? They were scattered. Uh-huh. Now, it's easy to speculate on our own heroism, but we must remember some facts about the timing of Jesus' arrest and the disciples' spiritual condition at the time. Like us, the disciples were, they were sinful people and they were spiritually dead. Because I, I don't know if you heard this before, but none of the disciples who were with Jesus were saved or born again at that time because Jesus was still alive. You cannot be saved until Jesus was resurrected. Resurrection and salvation is tied together. Salvation cannot happen without the resurrection. The disciples were saved once Jesus rose from the dead. Okay. So we need to understand that they were spiritually dead. That, that was their spiritual condition. They were trying to be strong according to their flesh. Now, like us, the disciples were, you know, they, they, they were sinful people just like us. Now, Jesus had chosen simple, everyday human beings from the lakes and, and, and byways of Palestine. That's where the disciples come from, to follow him. Now, unlike us, however, those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, the disciples had, had not yet received the Holy Spirit either because the Holy Spirit didn't come till the day of Pentecost. You know, they were attempting to rely on the strength of their own flesh and their own understanding. And it was weak at the time. If y'all know this Bible, like I do, the, the disciples had weak faith. Jesus was always getting on them about having I been with you so long and you still don't believe you've seen me do this and you still don't know who I am. Now, another 53 days would pass before the Holy Spirit would come upon them with power and give them the strength they needed to overcome their fear of death and the enemies of God who would rise up against them. So following the resurrection, let's trot on over to John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. And it says this, on the evening, that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, they were still living in fear. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Okay. Now remember that's John um, chapter 20, verse 19 and 20. So I want you to notice that the disciples were, they were still trembling in fear because of the Jews, or, or let's say they were afraid of the leader of the Jews, not the people. Now, several days later in Acts chapter one, verse four, 
we hear, we read this. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. What gift were they waiting on? The Holy Spirit. The gift definitely was the Holy Spirit because that's where our power come from. That's why we have Christians today that are weak Christians. They are weak in faith. They, they are not uh, bold when it comes to sharing the gospel. They don't want nobody to know they are Christian. They are silent Christian because they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And they did receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, after that event, the disciples were greatly encouraged. They were given courage to stick with their Lord even if it meant persecution and even execution, their newfound courage would lead almost all of them to die for Christ. Now, many followers of Christ since that time have forfeited their lives on this earth to stick with the Lord Jesus. Now, Jesus, as their shepherd, was struck down. Now, men and women around the world today stand ready to be struck down carrying his message of hope in the gospel to a lost and dying world, saints, including me. But for many of us in America, the question is not, will we die for Christ or will we cut and run on, on account of Christ? No, the real question is, will we live for Christ? Because see, in America, you can, you can worship Christ openly. And um, that's why I will never travel abroad. We have some demonic, God-forsaken countries out here. And they have created their own religions and their own gods. And they will blow themselves up along with you if you don't worship their idol gods. But here in America, thank God for social media to be used as a platform to share Christ. Because it was a lot of places that the Lord Jesus told the disciples not to go. But they loved him so much. And they loved their people so much. They went to those places anyway and was willing to die to share the gospel to their they're their loved ones. Yeah, they were willing to die to share, you know, uh, the gospel to the people that they loved. So we can pray that through the strength and courage of, of Christ's spirit, we will live for the honor and the glory of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Now, 1 Corinthians 1030, I want you to study and read. OK, now let's close out this episode with the prophet Malachi. Malachi chapter three, go there saints. Malachi chapter three, and I will be reading verses one, two, and three. And it begins with these consecrated words. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. This is God talking to the prophet Malachi. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Verse two, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. And verse three, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Now, who was the greatest Old Testament prophet? A lot of people um, out there are debating. It's kind of a, a, a tricky question here because the answer is John the Baptist who appears in the New Testament, which is really the Old Testament because as long as Jesus was living, we are still in the Old Testament. Jesus said to him in Matthew 11, verse 11, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. My Lord, that's powerful. He spoke volumes about John the Baptist and he's speaking volumes about us that believe on him. Yeah, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. That's us. Now, Isaiah spoke of John when he said this, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight way in the wilderness, a highway for our God. That's in Isaiah chapter 40, verse three. Now, Malachi seems to base his prophecy on those same words when he reports that Yahweh as saying, see, 
I will send my messenger who will prepare the way for me. Now, John comes out of, of um, the Old Testament days preaching sin, repentance, and salvation like the other prophets did. Now, the great themes of the Old Testament prophets before him, he preached in the wilderness crying, or let's say he was decrying the mortibum state of the nation Israel at that time. But Malachi's prophecy in chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, the um, scriptures that I just quoted, also speaks of another messenger, the messenger of the covenant, the Lord Christ Jesus. Now, interwoven in the text are prophecies of Christ's first and second coming. Yeah, I don't know if you caught it when I was reading it. You have to pay close attention to the wordings. Now, ironically, the Jews of Jesus's day did not desire him. They were not seeking him. As Malachi says, they would accept for a remnant who did. Like Simeon and, and Anna in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 um, through 38. Now, many were seeking a political Messiah, and I have said that throughout this series, who would free them from, let's say, the grips of the Romans. Now, many now are seeking Jesus to return in great power, to redeem our bodies from the earth and from the grave. I want you to write down 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 44, so you can learn about what I just said. Now, he will come suddenly, as the King James Version rightly translates the Hebrew word, Pithom in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Now speaking of parousia, which means his second coming, Jesus says of himself in Mark 13 verse 36 and 37, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Now what I say to you, I say to everyone, Jesus said, watch, watch out for him. And y'all know a few episodes prior to this one, we talked about that. Now Jesus is said by Malachi to come to his temple. In his first coming, our Lord taught in the temple in Jerusalem and cleansed it of all the money changers. Now soon he will come for the living, the living temple, which is his church, also known as the body of Christ. Now who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears, Malachi says. Now the answer is we who have been given grace to stand before him. That's who can stand when he appears. Now, we now are tried as a refiner's fire of a launderer's soap. Now, by his spirit, we are being cleansed. We are being sanctified by his word and through fiery trials. Now, if Jesus is referred to as the, the messenger of the covenant here, we need to know which covenant is, is Malachi uh, speaking of. The answer is all of them. All of the covenants of God, both in the Old Testament and the New, he fulfilled them all. Jesus is the fulfillment of Adam's covenant of works. Our Lord executed Abraham's covenant of grace through faith. Remember, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him or either accredited to him as righteousness. Now, he achieved the righteousness of the Mosaic covenant of the law. The, law, the um, laws that God gave Moses, well, actually the laws that Jesus himself gave Moses to give to the children of Israel, which is the antitype of the ceremonial priesthood and sacrificial system of that covenant. Now, our Lord is of Jesse, King David's father, and fulfills the Davidic covenant as well. Jesus and only Jesus is the fulfillment of the new covenant of Jeremiah. 3131. He is, let me say that again, Jesus is the fulfillment of the new covenant of Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. And it says this, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So I want y'all to understand Jesus is Lord of all. And he is the Lord of all covenants ever created by God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, saints, look, don't be surprised. This brings us to the end of this, I would say, groundbreaking epic series of Jesus, finding Jesus in the Hebrew scriptures. Now, I pray that this is not the end of your study, saints, of these marvelous truths but that it has merely opened to you a lifelong study about our precious Savior, 
Christ Jesus. Now, I think after this series, you should be able to find Jesus in almost all the scriptures in the Old Testament because we already know he's in the New Testament. We already know this. Now, I want to share a couple of um, changes that uh, we will be making in 2020 with uh, Learning Bible Truth. First, our name is changing from Learning Bible Truth to Learning Bible Truth Ministries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And of course, we will be changing our entire platform. You, we will have new music. We are also changing our Facebook page to Learning Bible Truth Ministries. Right now, the Facebook page is Back to Basics Sharing the Gospel Ministries, but it will be changing to Learning Bible Truth Ministries on our Facebook page and our Instagram page. And we are also seeking a YouTube channel. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So um, we will be interviewing one guest a month or how many I see fit to interview. Yes, that's a change. And I'm going to be encouraging people to um, send in prayer requests. We will be praying for the evils of this world. We will be praying for individuals that you um, send us uh, information about. Anyone who is sick, anyone who is suffering from a life-threatening disease uh, such as cancer and uh, strokes. Strokes is killing people too. And remember, I had a stroke this year. And if you see me today, you wouldn't know I had one. That's the, the healing power of God. You need to remember it is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Okay. So saints, I am looking forward to the new year to see what God has in store for this ministry. I will be sharing part two of do you know the signs of the second coming of the Messiah on New Year's Day under our new platform. Now we are going to start the year off with a bang, saints. Now I want each and every one of you to enjoy time off with your family this holiday season. I want you to treat everyone you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. You don't know what people are going through or what their journey has been. Keep that in mind. When a door opens, share Christ and his grace, not condemnation or your judgment. Don't share your denomination because denominations doesn't save. Jesus does. Once you lead that person to the saving grace of God, which is in Christ Jesus, then you can invite him to, to your, your uh, place of worship. Okay. And, and make sure that individual is baptized. Now, there is no sin so bad that the blood of Jesus can't wipe clean and cleanse from all unrighteousness. You need to remember that too. So I want you guys to please stand by for our closing remarks, which includes how to sow a seed and how you can contact us. But saints, I cannot leave without anyone who is under the sound of my voice who hasn't been saved, who doesn't know the Messiah, who doesn't know Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you are ready, and let me tell you something, tomorrow is not promised to you. Today is the day of salvation. You need to repeat after me. It is simple. You need to go to so you can see it, so you can know that I am quoting scripture to you. Go to Romans chapter 10, Verses 9 and 10, you also can read 11, but verses 9 and 10 is where you can um, receive salvation. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. Your prayer can go as simple as this. Father God, I read in your word and I know your word is true and it never returns to you void. That if I confess that Jesus is Lord, and I am confessing right now that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart, and I truly do, that he is seated at your right hand, so I know you raised him from the dead, your word says I'm saved. And I'm here to tell you, saints, amen. If you said that simple prayer, you are saved, you do not have to jump through no hoops or do any backflips. It is just that simple. God had, has made his salvation plan very simple for you. You don't have to work to be saved. Now it's time for you to join a faith-based teaching church 
learn how to grow in faith and operate in God's grace because it is a process. This is not something that happens overnight because your physical body is not saved. Your spirit man is, and no one can unsave you. You can't even unsave you. If you truly accepted Christ into your heart, you should feel the seal of the Holy Spirit that came and set up shop in your heart. Because remember Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's that seal. That's the love. You will begin to see people differently. You will see everyone as human beings, people you didn't like before. You will now like and are willing to do things for. So saints, you will not hear from me again until January the 1st of 2022. So until next time, saints, I want you guys to peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.